This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. So I mentioned a while ago, we're going to get to see some of our friends baptized this year. That's a huge moment. And one of the things that I realized, and I should just let you in on a little secret, um, twice a year, uh, as long as I'm the lead pastor, twice a year, I go to some place, some secluded place for three days, and I kind of hole up with God. And I have a special fast that I do and times of prayer. And one of the things that I work on during those times, I ask God to give birth to six months of teaching for our church. So that what I'm going to teach you this morning isn't something I got excited about last week or upset about last week. Okay? But we have teachings for our church planned out through all of June and even part of July. Uh, and believing that the Holy Spirit has that all laid out for us. And um, as I prayed and began to work on that, God made it really clear to me, hey, we're going to do a number of baptism services this year, and we're a church that has chosen to celebrate communion every Sunday. And I recognize that's not the same with every church, but it is with this church. And so in order to keep communion from being just a sort of ritual that we go through, let's make it what the Lord originally intended. And instead of making baptism just something we do because Jesus said to do it, Let's dig into what baptism was really designed to be so that when our friends and maybe even us, maybe when we're baptized, we have a greater understanding of what's actually going on. That sound like fun? Yeah, so let's dig into that, okay? And we're going to start at a place where you might not think. We're going to start with a passage in the book of Hebrews in which the writer addresses an interesting part of human nature. And here it is on the screen. He says, we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift from it. That's kind of cautionary, wouldn't you say? There's a warning in there. And I think it's interesting that the author uses the word drift. And so uh, I wonder if that theme is found anywhere else in Scripture. And sure enough, it occurs a number of places. We won't look at them all, but here's another one. Peter writes, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. And it's only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. So I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I'm gone. Again, he's addressing, he doesn't use the word drift, but he does talk about us, the importance of us remembering. And I guess 
if I had to say this in just language you and I could understand, it would be this. It's really hard in life to keep the main thing the main thing. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I see three people nodding their head. It's hard. This is why we have wedding anniversaries, to remind us of how important our marriage is to us. This is, this is why we do Christmas every year and Easter every year, because it's really hard for us to keep the main things in life the main things. And so we need to be reminded. And so knowing this about us, way back in the first writings of the Bible, we find the story that you and I had renewed to us this week. Okay, here it is. God says, after the flood in which the whole earth was inundated and everyone actually died except for Noah and his family, when they came out of the ark, here's what God said to them. I'm giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. You see any rainbows this week? I saw a magnificent rainbow that went from horizon to horizon. It was phenomenal, and it was brilliant and crystal clear. God said, I put my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all of the earth. You think there weren't any rainbows in the clouds before the flood? The Bible seems to indicate there weren't even any clouds before the flood. Did you know that? It had never rained. That's a story for another day. But part of putting clouds in, in the atmosphere and the rain falling through the atmosphere was the beautiful advent of the rainbow and the original symbol of the rainbow. And I know our friends in the LBGT community have appropriated it, and that's okay. But the original intent of the rainbow was to be a sign between God and us so that we would never forget His covenant with us. And you know what that covenant was? You don't have to be afraid of the rain, even though you might have been last night. Right? And you don't have to be afraid of the thunder, even though you might have been last night. Because God says, I will never again bring a rain so big that it destroys the earth. That's my covenant. Huh. You fast forward a few hundred years, and the leader of God's people is now a guy by the name of Joshua. And as Joshua is leading God's people, the nation of Israel at that time, he's leading them into the land of promise. And there's a very interesting thing that happens because in order to enter the land of promise, they had to actually cross the Jordan River at flood stage. It was flooding during that time of year. There were no bridges. You had to cross at a ford. During flood stage, 
there was no crossable ford. There was no way to get across the river. And God said to Joshua, here's the deal. Tell the priests to go into the sanctuary of the tabernacle and to take the Ark of the Covenant and put it on their shoulders and to march down to the shore of the Jordan River and literally to start walking into it. Okay? So the priests take the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders and they cover it as they were told to cover it and they start marching to the river and the people are all watching what's going to happen. It's reminiscent of a song that we're going to hear in a little bit about going down to the river. Now, in our case, it's not going to do what it did in their case. But, but there's some really interesting things that happen in Scripture when people go down to the river, one of which, that's where people often got baptized. So it became synonymous, I'm going to go down to the river and get baptized. There's another place in the Bible where down by where the river was the place where people went to pray. So I'm going to go down to the river and pray. And that's actually in the song we're going to sing. So here are the priests, and they're walking with the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders, and the people are all walking behind them down to the Jordan River, which is flooded. And when the feet of the priests touch the very first edge of the water of the Jordan River, the people are blown away at what happens. Because God stops the flow of the Jordan River and all the waters downstream continue to flow away and the waters upstream begin to pile up and back up, up the river. Leaving, as they would record, a dry riverbed for some three million people to walk through. That's pretty phenomenal, don't you think? It was a crazy day, not just for the children of Israel, but the nations on the other side of the river. You know, if the river starts stacking up like cordwood and begins to back up, do you think that would make the news? Well, it made the news all right. They all watched it and they were all like, what in the world is happening? It was a phenomenal day. And Joshua said to the priest, look, in the bottom of that river, there are some stones. I want you to go grab 12 stones from the bottom of that river. And when we get to the other side, I want you to stack them up. And here's what Joshua said. These stones remind us. There's that principle again. We don't want to forget. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across, these stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Wow. Now there's a pattern here that I want us to see, and it's up on the screen. Because God loves us, He gives us symbols of important events and principles to help prevent our natural tendency to drift. 
That's one of the ways that he partners with us. And today we're going to dig into the two symbols that God gives us about our own salvation. And you'll see it up here on the screen. God has given two symbols to all Jesus' followers to help us grasp and remember the salvation that we have through Jesus. And the first is baptism. So let's dig into this concept of baptism. <coughs> let's start with the words of Jesus about it. And they are on the screen. Go and make disciples. Now, these are some of the last words that Jesus said to his 12 closest followers before he left this earth and went back into heaven. So if it's the final words, probably pretty important. Here's what he said. Go and make disciples. I put in there, that means Jesus followers. The Bible word for Jesus followers, disciples, so you know. Of all people groups in the world, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have taught you, and I will be with you always, even until the end of this age. Well, it's pretty clear. Jesus says, go into all the world, make disciples of people from all people groups, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Huh. So what did Jesus mean by baptize? Well, that's probably the first thing that we should take a look at. And, and I want to dig into something that could be a little controversial, and I hope to approach it in a way that's not controversial. Take a look at the screen. The word baptize literally means to immerse or submerge. Now, if you've been around the Christian world at all, you know that some churches baptize by what we call immersion, putting people clear into the water. Some baptize by sprinkling water on, on people's heads or foreheads. Some pour water on them. And there's probably other ways that it's done in different churches. At New Life, we choose to baptize by immersion. Why? Because as you read through Scripture, it's fairly obvious that originally, that's how everyone was baptized. That's how Jesus was baptized. That's how Jesus baptized people. That's how the apostles baptized people. And that's literally what the original word baptize meant. It meant to immerse or submerge. Okay? So in New Life, we choose to baptize by immersion, though we do not question the salvation of those who have been baptized differently we have no stones to throw at churches who do not baptize by immersion. Does everybody understand that? That's not ours to judge. We don't get in judgment of that. But if you're going to get baptized at New Life, we are going to put you under the water because that's how Jesus was baptized. And we love following him. Everybody on board with that? Okay. All right. That brings up a really interesting question. Why would Jesus command us to immerse in water everyone who chooses to follow him? On the surface, is that intuitive? Oh, you want to follow me? Come over here. Let me stick you in the water. Pooch. Here you go. You're good. What's that about? Huh. Is it really just a test of our obedience? where if Jesus had said, go stand in the corner on your head and sneeze three times, we'd all do that? 
just because he said to do it? And when I hear this taught about often, that's what I hear. We do this just because Jesus said. Friends, it's way, way, way deeper than that. Let's dig into it, okay? And let's go to a passage of Scripture that actually tells us what Jesus was thinking about when he talked about this baptism thing. Paul writes about it here in Romans. He says, now listen, don't forget. Does that seem like a common theme? Yeah, we've been talking about that all morning, right? Don't forget that all of us became part of Christ when we were baptized. We shared his death in our baptism. When we were baptized, we were buried with Christ and shared his death. So just as Christ was raised from the dead by the wonderful power of the Father, we also are raised to live a new life. Now, there's a lot in that passage, and I'm going to pull out of it basically three things that should be pretty clear to anyone who reads it, and here they are on the screen. Baptism symbolizes or marks our personal joining with Jesus. Is that important? Massively important, isn't it? This is where we get connected with Jesus. It's in our salvation, and baptism symbolizes that. Now, I, I don't want you to think that baptism makes that happen, because the Bible clearly doesn't teach that. But baptism symbolizes that important reality. Secondly, it symbolizes our dying with Jesus. Now think about this for a minute. There's a play on words there. And the play on words is this. Jesus died for our sins so that we could be forgiven. That is a central theme of Scripture from start to finish. You and I die to our sins so that we don't live in them any longer. Yeah, thank you. Thank God that we are given the power to die to our sins. Now, we've all heard this principle that in order to embrace something new, oftentimes we have to let go of something we already have. Because if we try to hang on to what we already have, we cannot get this new thing. This new life that we have in Jesus is only available to us if we are willing to let go of the life we were living in and in the Bible terms, to die to the life that we were living. So baptism symbolizes our dying with Jesus, but it also symbolizes our being raised like Jesus was raised. So when we baptize you at new life, you're dying to sin, we bury you in the water, and thank God we don't leave you there, right? Although some of you we might be tempted to, and some of you we might have to hold under longer. Just teasing, all right? And then we raise you so that you can live a new life. And as Jesus was raised to live forever, so you are raised, are you ready for this? To live 
eternal life. It's phenomenal. It's why Jesus said, I want you to baptize everyone. I want them to get this concept of dying to their sins. I want them to get this concept of being raised to live forever. I want them to get this concept of, of being joined to me. In fact, Paul would write later on to the people in Colossae, when you were baptized, you actually put on Christ like you put on a jacket. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That you and I are now clothed with Christ. Kind of summarizing this, here it is. Baptism is our personal way of telling God and others that we have decided to follow Jesus. That's literally what it was used for in Scripture, and it's what it's intended to be used for today. So it's why when you decide to follow Jesus and give your life to Him, one of the first things we say is good. Let us baptize you because in that there's this wonderful declaration you're making to God and to those of us around you, I'm in with Jesus. I'm going to follow him with my life. And secondly, baptism is intended to be our initial symbol of our salvation. It marks the turning point in our life from doing our own thing to following Jesus. And baptism is that physical symbol that marks that turning point. So, at a chair near you, you have a Connect card, okay? I'm going to give a very clear invitation to all of us who have not been baptized or who have not been baptized as adults, and I'll explain that in a little bit. In the green section on the front, there's an option at the bottom, I want to get baptized. Okay, I, I, I want to modify that a little bit this morning. If you want to get baptized at New Life on the 22nd, check that box, obviously. But even if you just want more information or you have questions, check that box, and I will not assume that you want to get baptized. I'll call you on the phone or I'll send you an email and ask, did you want to get baptized or do you have questions? Because I want to make sure that we can follow up well with everyone who has interest in baptism, either in getting baptized or learning more about it. Is that clear to everybody? Now, two things. you got to make sure you put your name and contact information on there because it's really hard to follow up without that. And then secondly, there's some slotted boxes on the tables in the back. Just go put this through the slot and uh, we'll make sure we get you followed up with this week. Let's talk about communion. It's at the tables around the edges of our room this morning. Baptism was intended to be our initial symbol of our salvation. Communion, on the other hand, is intended to be our ongoing symbol so that in order to remember your salvation, you don't have to pack your swimsuit every Sunday and come here and get baptized again and again and again so you don't forget. Jesus gave us an ongoing symbol that's a little simpler 
but on the surface, it probably doesn't make any more intuitive sense. Oh, you want to come and follow me? So here's the deal. I want you to eat a little bread and drink a little uh, fruit of the vine every week. Why would we do that? Fortunately, the Bible tells us why we do that. So let's go look at the event where Jesus instituted this for his followers. We find it here in 1 Corinthians 11. Paul writes, and he says, <coughs> on the night when the Lord Jesus was handed over to be killed, he took bread and he gave thanks for it. Then he broke the bread and he said, look, this is my body. It is for you. Hmm. Do this to remember me. There's that theme. So that we wouldn't forget. Do this to remember me. He goes on to say, in the same way, after they ate, Jesus took the cup and he said, now look, this cup is a new covenant that is sealed with the blood of my death. When you drink this, do it to remember me. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are telling others about the Lord's death until he comes. Now, there's a ton in that passage, but again, I'm going to draw just three things out of it, and they're up here on the screen. Number one, communion symbolizes or it marks our ongoing intent to remember Jesus. It's one of the ways we keep the main thing the main thing. That we never forget that it took Jesus' death for us to be forgiven and to be set free. And if Jesus didn't die, then we do, and we stay there. But because Jesus died and was raised, we can die and be raised too. Secondly, it's it marks our ongoing commitment to tell and remind others about Jesus' death. In just a couple of minutes, you and I will be making our way to the tables. By the way, it's always voluntary in our church. You don't have to do this. You, if you want to, we invite you to. But many of us will be making our way to the tables around the edge of, of this auditorium, and we will be eating small pieces of bread and drinking the cup. And when we are doing this, we are reminding not only ourselves, we are reminding each other of the death of Jesus and its preeminent place in the history of mankind and its preeminent place in our lives. And then last of all, communion gives us the opportunity to renew our personal commitment to follow Jesus. A number of times over the years, I've been asked to help people renew their vows, their wedding vows. That's a really important uh, process for us in a couple of ways this morning, and here's the first one, okay? When a couple renews their vows, does it take anything away from their original vows? As if somehow they didn't stick, so now they have to do it again? No, no one ever thinks that. What do we think on the other hand? How beautiful of this couple 
that after 20 years or 25 years or 50 years chooses to renew their vows. And in a way, you know what they're saying? If I had it to do all over again, I would do it again because I'm doing it again now. In a beautiful and wonderful way, communion is our opportunity to say to Jesus, I'm here to renew my commitment to follow you. And every time I get the chance to take communion, I will renew my commitment to follow you in this life and into eternity. And my friends, that's how Jesus knew we could keep the main thing, the main thing. That's why he gave us the symbol. Now, I want to close with an important understanding that I think all of us need to know. Because it's very easy to look at baptism and communion as rituals that we do to make God happy or to please God or that somehow if we go through these rituals, God does something magic in our lives and, and somehow that, that these rituals save us. It's not true. These are not rituals. In fact, neither is a religious ritual we do to please God or just because He asks us to. I want you to get the last sentence, and I want you to get it so much, I'm going to ask you to read it out loud with me. Would you please? Okay, let's begin. Both are intended to be personally shared experiences with Jesus. That's where they get their power. They are personally shared experiences with Jesus. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells us that. Take a look. In Romans chapter 6, verse 4, I, I've just highlighted one phrase. Paul writes, when we were baptized, we were buried, what are the next two words? With Christ. Not like Christ. We're not buried as Christ was buried. We're not buried because Christ said we should be buried. We are buried how? With Jesus. Now listen, don't ask me to explain all the details. I, I don't know them all. But I do know this. On January 22nd, when we have a baptismal tank set up here, or here, I don't know where we'll set it up, but somewhere up here, and we are taking our friends and we are lowering them into the waters of baptism, Jesus is in the tank with them. They are going to be buried with Jesus. Can I say something really important that I just want you to consider? I'm sure many in our audience were baptized as children. And as such, other than what your parents told you about it, you have no personal recollection of that. That's not a bad thing, okay? But I want you to know there is an experience that you are missing. And as an adult, if you choose to get baptized, 
you will, you will undergo this amazing experience of knowing what it's like to be buried with Christ in baptism. And that's why I want to invite and encourage all of us who maybe were baptized as children to get baptized as adults. You say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What does that mean about my baptism as a child? Let's go back to the renewal of our vows, okay? Because you get baptized as an adult, does that mean that you somehow negated what your parents did with you and for you as a child? No. It just means that now you, that you're an adult, you have the opportunity to choose it on your own. In the same way, you would have the opportunity to renew your vows. So if you can think of it in that light, there's a whole experience that waits for you. And the same is true for communion. Communion is not something you do because it's a cool part of our service. Yeah, it is. But communion is something that you and I are invited into because here's what Jesus said. I tell you this, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine again until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Friends, you and I, those of us who have chosen to be followers of Jesus, are in the Father's kingdom. I don't know how. I, I, please don't ask me to explain all the details. I'm just taking Jesus at his word. That somehow, in a minute or two, when you and I gather around the tables and we take communion, that somehow our Lord Jesus is drinking the fruit of the vine with us. It is a shared experience with Jesus. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite all of us to go to the tables. And the worship team is going to do the song Down to the River. And may this be such a meaningful time for each of us as we take the bread that represents the body of Jesus and the cup that represents the blood of Jesus. And we eat and drink not only to his honor, but with it. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful. Thank you for these two great symbols. And would you help them to find their full meaning every time we baptize people and every time we take communion. May it be this wonderful shared experience with you where our lives are more fully joined with yours. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.